We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Two pitch, ball line to Yount, it's short, he throws, it's over! The Brewers have won the American League pennant! Milwaukee, you have a World Series! Hit in the air, Yount makes a great catch, and Juan Diemus has thrown the first no-hitter in Milwaukee Brewer history! Swings, and here it is! A base hit in the right center! He's done it! 3,000 for Robin! And there's a drive in the left field! This is hit well! And it's gone! Robin! A two-run home run! The Brewers take the lead! Morgan, a smash up the middle! Base hit the center! You're cruising for a bruising with me, Andrew Schneider, as I talk all things Milwaukee Brewers for the Eurostep Podcast Network and Blue Wire Podcast. Uh, Coming to you solo today, um, as we've mentioned over the last few podcasts, my co-host Adam McGee is still under the weather. We we wish him well and hope that he gets back very soon in time to maybe talk about the Cincinnati Red Series, but want to give him all the time that, that he needs to start feeling better. Uh, there is no rift between co-hosts. He is actually sick, <laughs> so no drama on that end. Uh, no tie witness today. I'm sure we'll see him back again soon. Maybe Jordan Trusky or Ron Cotty, if Adam's not feeling well, maybe a special guest. But for today, you have me alone with my thoughts on what was another tough series, better than the National Series, a series where uh, – the Brewers won a game in convincing fashion and, and could have won another game, but but yet another series loss in what seems to be a trend lately. They're, they're really going through it right now. Um, not all hope is lost because things in the division and the wildcard race are not have not slipped away to a point where you feel like the season's lost, but they're, they're definitely struggling. And uh, we'll have some positives to discuss, but this is a team that is getting to a point that needs to figure out what the second half of the season looks for them, uh, maybe what they need at the trade deadline. But more uh, more than that, just 
what does your team look like when it's your best nine hitters and your and your best pitcher and your best bullpen arms? You got to figure that out here in the next few months. See what else you need and go from there. Obviously, I've said all season that I think this is a team that can contend to go deep in the playoffs. They haven't looked like that over the last couple of weeks. What will they look like between now and the trade deadline between now and the end of September? Uh, time will tell. But first, we will look back to the to the Mets series, do a little recap here like we do. Uh, game one on, on Tuesday uh, after the off day on Monday was a struggle. It was a game where uh, Adrian Hauser just didn't have it early, eventually settled in. But that was that. Uh, a lot of soft contact, though, allowed by Hauser. So some of it was him you know, not being able to locate the way he normally does. 96 pitches, uh, only 55 strikes on the day. So struggling with location a bit, only one walk in the end, but just wasn't getting pitches where he needed to. But like we said, a lot of soft contact. Peter Alonzo single scores Brandon Nimmo in the first, followed by Jeff McNeil double that would score Marte. And then Eduardo Escobar, old friend, hits a sacrifice fly. It's 3 nothing after the bottom of the first inning. And that just put the Brewers in a hole they couldn't climb out of, uh, even as Hauser settled down. His final line wasn't pretty but it, it wasn't necessarily a game where he got absolutely shelled it was a lot of bad luck a lot of soft contact and just in the end uh four runs four two thirds innings pitch eight hits four runs all of them earned one walk three strikeouts raised the season era to 4.21 on the year uh brewers would not get a run in this game this would be a four nothing loss three hits offense wasn't able to muster anything christian yelich one for four on the day, also a pair of strikeouts. Omar Narvaez, uh, one for three on the day. Uh, and then the final hit came from Chase Peterson, who probably had the, the best offensive day of anyone, uh, getting a, a single and also drawing a walk. But, I mean, you you look at uh, the at-bats totals for most of the Brewers, and, and you see how a struggle it was for the lineup because other than Christian Yelich and Willie Adamas, uh, everyone on the team was limited to three plate appearances because Chris Bassett was just uh, locked in. Uh, and probably the, I don't know, probably the best start he's had as a Met. I know he came in after having a few great seasons with the Oakland Athletics and then had been struggling as a Met so far. And he was excellent. Eight innings pitch, three hits, one walk, seven strikeouts. Uh, really just to, give the Brewers no chance of getting any, any rally started. This wasn't a game where the Brewers, you know, messed up a, a lot of opportunities with runners on base. This was a game where they really got nothing going. They were over two with runners in scoring position, but the opportunities just weren't there because of Bassett Two left on base for the team. And uh, that was that uh, Drew Smith comes in and pitches a scoreless ninth inning. And it's a four, nothing win for the, for the Mets in game one. So not an ideal start to the series. Start the series on a whole after gaining a little bit of positive momentum after the, the win in the series finale against Washington. Uh, game two was a nice response. This was a game, I mean, this series had everything. It had it had a game where you felt hopeless with the bats and like you had no chance of winning. And then you had a game where the offense absolutely broke out and you won easily. Corbin Burns against David Peterson going into this start. 
Uh, things got started off on the right foot. Top of the first inning, Luis Urias single scores Adamas and McCutcheon to make it 2-0. Um, they keep building on that success. Mark Mathias Fielder's choice scores Caratini in fourth uh, to make it 3-0. Uh, Corbin Burns would then allow a home run to Jeff McNeil in the fourth to make it 4-1 or 3-1 Brewers. And then the fifth inning was just uh, the offensive explosion. The Brewers put up a seven spot in the fifth, and that would make the game never in doubt. Caratini bases loaded walk gets the scoring started. Uh, and then the team would just piece things together. Uh, Lorenzo Kane infield single. And then the big blow coming on a Jafes Peterson double to center field. Willie Adamas singles to score a couple of runs. Andrew McCutcheon finishes the scoring off with a single 10-1 Brewers after the fifth. Uh, another Jeff McNeil RBI on a center in the sixth or single, excuse me, to center field in the sixth inning. But Hunter Renfro would gun down the runner at second base. Um, McNeil trying to stretch things into a double to get out of the jam. And that would be the end of the day for Burns, who wasn't as dominant as you see Burns when he's at his highest powers. But he returned to, even when he's not dominant, just being a very good starting pitcher and giving you exactly what you need to win a baseball game. Six innings pitch, five hits, two earned runs, no walks, eight strikeouts. That no walks number is the key, as we remember from some of his previous starts. Getting into a lot of deep counts with batters and not being able to put them away um, by, you know, ending up walking them. Uh, I can't remember the stat in the Washington game, but the the comment was about just how many two strike counts he went into. And uh, I misspoke. I believe that was a game against Philadelphia where Burns kept getting into two strike counts and just couldn't get batters out, but didn't have that problem uh, on Wednesday. Gave the team exactly what they needed. Uh, Miguel Sanchez pitched a a seventh inning that was a little bit of a a rocky ride, but he got out of it. Three walks and a strikeout, no runs in that seventh. And then really good bounce-back performance from Trevor Kelly. He had been struggling of late, and he came in and provided two scoreless innings. Obviously, he had the comfort of a, a very largely, excuse me, that's Peter Strezlecki's line I'm looking at. Sorry. Uh, solo podcasts are are not easy. It's not Trevor Kelly. Peter Strezlecki was in this game uh, with the 10-2 lead. Comes in, two innings pitch, three strikeouts, one eight zero ERA on the season. Sorry to Peter Strezlecki for thinking you were Trevor Kelly very briefly. Uh, but yeah, just a, a good outing from him in what you know may have been a low stress environment, but it's major league baseball. You don't you don't want to give the other team hope by really allowing anything. Uh, standout performances on the day: Willie Adamas, three for five, two runs scored, two RBI. Uh, it's it's kind of been an up and down, back and forth performance for for him um, since returning from injury. But that this was nice to see Lorenzo Kane with the the infield hit, and then uh, another another single in the game to go two for five. Um, multi-hit day for Kane, which is um, not nothing right now for him, the way he's struggling. Hunter Renfro, uh, one for one, one run, and then drew three walks in this game. So just seems like he's always on base because he was. You reach <laughs> you reach base in every plate appearance, and you're, you're doing something right. And Jace Peterson, who uh, had uh, the pinch hit appearance and then drove uh, came up big with that double in the big fifth inning. Uh, the only two runs for the Mets, like we said, Jeff McNeil, two for four with a run scored and two RBI. Uh, he's a guy 324 or go, excuse me, exiting the finale of this series. Uh, he's got a 324, 377, 358 batting or 
324 batting average, 377 OVP, 458 slugging. Just a really solid player, um, Jeff McNeil, and some someone that always kind of scares scares you at the plate, even if you, you you're not expecting him to hit the home run like he did uh, against Burns early in the game. It just seems like a guy that always drives in a run uh, when you need him most. Always gets that uh, base hit down the line or up the middle, and he didn't in the final game of the series at one point. But the Mets were still successful. But a game two, ten two. Brewers win Corbin Burns coming in and being the stopper to make sure a new losing streak didn't get started. Game three was definitely a tough one and definitely a game that the Brewers could have won, maybe should have won. Met score one in the first, so behind early, and then Christian Yelich comes up big in the top of the fourth with a solo homer. Uh, also in the fourth, and Omar Narvaez, bases loaded single to right field, makes it 3-1, and then a Hunter Renfro ground out. Makes it 4-1. Um, Mets would crawl closer in the bottom of the fourth, but a huge Hunter Renfro outfield assist uh, to get a runner out at third base would limit the damage and make it 4-2. Renfro's second outfield assist of the series. I don't understand why base runners keep running on Hunter Renfro. It is always proven to be a terrible idea, yet they still do it. Uh the big blow in this game that changed the game was in the bottom of the fifth inning, a two-run home run from Mark Kana makes it 4-4, and suddenly you're, you were feeling good about the game after the top of the fourth where the Brewers scored four runs to give themselves a little bit of a cushion, but it would not last. Another tough outing for Aaron Ashby. Uh, four and a third innings pitch, four hits, four runs. They were all earned. Three walks, five strikeouts, season ERA up to four two five, and he would leave this game with an injury. Craig Council uh, described it as a fatigue issue and precautionary. He left with uh, what was called left forearm tightness. Uh, Last thing the Brewers needed to hear was another starting pitcher uh, added to the injury list. So hopefully Ashby's okay. I speculated last episode uh, wondering if when Brandon Woodruff would return. Uh, by the way, Brandon Woodruff uh, is making a rehab start with the sounds and then potentially uh, in Appleton once uh, that start is completed, if, if everything goes well there, and then maybe you look to see him back with the Brewers sometime next week. If Woodruff returns, I wonder if it'll be a situation where, because Jason Alexander's pitched so well, he'll stay in the rotation. Maybe you shift Ashby back to that multi-inning bullpen role and allow Ashby to limit some of his innings, limit some of that fatigue, uh, not to say that he won't be back in the rotation later in the year because I think he very well could be and very well might, but might be a good way to buy him some rest here and there and have him not need to be relied on to get deep into games and just have a, a situation where he can come in, pitch a sixth inning or pitch a sixth and seventh inning uh, when he's needed in the middle innings. We'll see how that shakes out, and we'll go from there. Uh, this game would would be tight all the way into the bottom of the eighth inning. Uh, still. Four four, and then Rowdy Tellez, uh made his first error of the season in a very tough situation. Uh, runner on first, uh, ground ball to Rowdy. He tries to make the throw to second base. Uh, it's to the right of Willie Adamas, who's coming to cover the base. Goes in the left field, puts runners on the corners with no outs. 
uh, on the air error rowdy said it was a play i make a thousand out of a thousand times I, and i got lazy and cost my team the win it's something i'm going to have to roll with i messed up i cost my team a win rowdy really taking some accountability there and, and recognizing uh the situation for what it was that being said uh it's a nine inning baseball game <laughs> and uh the team only scored four runs so while that was a huge moment in the game the loss certainly not only on rowdy Brent Suter was the uh, pitcher at the time. He would respond with a strikeout and then another ground ball to Rowdy. Um, went to second base to Adamas again. Uh, Adamas had trouble finding the base with his feet to get the force at second. He eventually would, but just the, the time it took to make that happen ruled out any chance of a double play. It was a situation where Rowdy had two options. It's either fire quickly to second and hope for the double play or look home to try and cut the runner down at home. Rowdy opted to try and turn two. Didn't work out. Run scored. Makes it five to four. Mets there. Uh, Suter gets out of the inning from that standpoint, and we head to the ninth. Hunter Renfro steps up with a leadoff single. Jace Peterson follows with a strikeout. And, and then another large play in the game. Tyron Taylor pinches for Kane. Uh, drops one down the right field line. Um, Renfro going first to third. Attempts to score on the play. And he's thrown out at home plate. Um, it was a, a send by Jason Lane being aggressive. Uh, Council, speaking to reporters last night, defended the send. He says, I absolutely think it was the right call. Uh, and then he cited, according to Will Salmon of The Athletic, Edwin Diaz's strikeout rate and how hard he is to get a hit off and, and said that uh, the arm in right field for the Mets at the time was something that you have to challenge. Uh, so... That was his reasoning there. Um, Nick Plummer, I think, was the right fielder at the time. So Craig Council not exactly impressed by the arm strength on Nick Plummer, but he made a good throw and uh, beat Renfro by by quite a bit. Uh, I tend to disagree um, there. I, I will say that Council saying that to reporters and saying that he's defending his coach's decision is absolutely something that I would expect him to do. And honestly, he should do, uh, as we've commented Many times, I think council's biggest strength is managing relationships within the clubhouse, and there's no <laughs> there's no value in him publicly disagreeing with something that one of his base coaches did. If council takes issue with Lane sending Renfro in that situation, I'm sure that's something that they'll talk about themselves. So no no issue with him defending it there, even if I agree disagree with what he's saying. I think it was too risky of a situation and. Uh, I know Christian Yelich isn't Christian Yelich of old, and he struck out on three pitches in the following at bat. So that kind of uh, vindicates him to agree to a degree. Although I think it's more of a butterfly effect situation where uh, you'd like to see what happened if he is at the plate with runners on second and third and one out. But it was not to be. The good throw by Plummer gets Renfro at the plate. As I mentioned, a strikeout from Christian Yelich on three pitches. And that's that. I mean, it just sort of uh, is what it is. It, it's a game that could have been won, but wasn't. And uh, the Brewers have to react from there. Um, 35 and 30 on the season, a pair of games back in the NL Central and a pair of games back in the National League wildcard. Um, yeah, a tough opponent this time. And they were in two of the three games. They were competitive. I mean, you just really would have liked to win game three because you had the three run lead and then you had that opportunity 
in the ninth inning, and it just wasn't to be. But We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Moving on, Solo Andrew, um, moving on to the Master Brewer leaderboard. Uh, A few guys in this series I thought really stood out. First one's obviously going to be Corbin Burns. The six innings pitch, five hits, two runs, no walks, eight strikeouts. Really gave the Brewers what they needed when they needed it. They needed their ace to be their ace, and he was very good. Uh, Hunter Renfro, uh, not gaudy numbers at the plate, but three for eight, uh, three walks, a run, an RBI, and those two outfield assists. I think the the his arm in right field is just such a weapon for this team, and he they he showed off why. I mean this this game could have been uh, tied or closer earlier had Renfro not thrown a runner out at third base to end an inning. Uh, and obviously in, in game two, he ended an inning uh, and got the Brewers out of a jam again when Jeff McNeil was trying to tri- stretch a single into a double. Hunter Renfro's arm's just been exceptional this year. Another guy, Jace Peterson, three for eight, a walk, one run, two RBI, and then continues to play just great defense at third base. And so, you know, uh, there, there we go. Three guys on the board this week. It was kind of a, a weird week. I was looking across three games, and those were the three that stood out. Maybe I'm missing someone, but, you know, doing this uh, solo with my brain as foggy as it is, just kind of uh, what shakes out here. Uh, leaderboard through 65 games. We've got Rowdy Tellez still leading the day with nine. Corbin Burns and Jace Peterson adding to their total now have seven. 
Josh Hader with five, Willie Adamas with four, and Hunter Renfro joins him with four. Andrew McCutcheon, Tyron Taylor, Aaron Ashby, Freddie Peralta, Eric Lauer, Devin Williams, Colton Wong with three. Omar Narvaez, Brandon Woodruff, Luis Urias, Adrian Hauser, Keston Hira with two. Brad Boxberger, Jason Alexander, Victor Caratini, Trevor Gott, Luke Barker, Peter Streslucky with one. And I forgot to add, Hobie Milner also has a second. So that was inaccurate there. Jason Alexander also with a second. So looking at my notes incorrectly, always a fun time. Next up, the Brewers will continue this road trip. Another another nine nine game, three city road trip rolls on. Uh, this time, I think it needs to be something that they take advantage of because one of the luxuries they have this season is playing in a division where three teams are significantly less quality than them. And when you're going to go out and lose a series to the Nats, and then lose a series to the Mets, you can make up that ground against the Reds, and that's what they'll look to do. Starting tonight, June 17th, 5.40 Central Time start, Eric Lauer versus Hunter Green. 3.10 Central Time start on Saturday, June 18th, sees Jason Alexander return to the mound against Graham Ashcraft. Jason Alexander, in the last uh, his last three starts, has... Uh, really giving the Brewers what they need when they need it, and we'll see if he does again. Uh, Sunday, a 12.40 Central start, Adrian Hauser will take the mound against Mike Miner, and that will wrap things up. Uh, after three at Cincinnati, the Brewers return home to face the St. Louis Cardinals in a four-game set, two of those games on Fox Sports 1. Uh, that's going to be a huge series. I mean, as big as a series can get, in uh, June, just because of the nature of how things have shifted in the standings. It went from the Brewers having a com comfortable lead for a few weeks to now the Cardinals seeing themselves, uh, you know, uh, with a two-game lead. So we'll see what happens there. Um, looking forward to hopefully riding the ship a bit with uh, some wins against the Cincinnati Reds. Uh, as I mentioned, we'll take a look at these standings Real quick, like we said, Brewers settling in at 35 and 30. Cardinals are 37 and 28. Two-game lead in the division for the Cardinals uh, going to the wild card standings, which is also a factor now. You've got that uh, third wild card, card spot added to the mix, so another avenue for the Brewers to get into the playoffs if, if things go south. They are currently a game and a half behind the San Francisco Giants, who are 35 and 27. Um, so there you have it. Uh, not as long an episode as usual. Tough without without one of my co-hosts. Really hope Adam feels better. Some some other no news and notes. Uh, nice to see Christian Yelich and Omar Narvaez. Uh, if their hit streaks continue. Um, also of news this morning is the Milwaukee Brewers City Connect jerseys were released, and I gotta say I'm I'm a fan. Uh, we've got the MKE on the hat, brew crew across the shirt, kind of a powder blue look about it. I think the, the socks look great. So, uh, yeah, I'll be, be interested to to uh, see uh, when those go on sale. I know they are wearing them next Friday, June 24th. So, obviously, if you're someone 
that lives closer to Milwaukee than I do. You need to make it out to that game. Always love uh, special jerseys. I'd love to see some throwbacks at some point. Any excuse for me to buy things that I don't need. But yeah, that Friday night game where the City Connect jerseys will be worn is against the Toronto Blue Jays at American Family Insurance Field. That does it for me, I think. Uh, you know, struggling struggling through the dog days of summer. I know that's usually reserved for August, but today we'll apply it to June. Brewers are not in a good run of form lately. Um, I think over the next few episodes, we'll map out maybe what we think is a possibility at the trade deadline. Obviously, if you can get a bat, you try and get a bat, but those are probably in short supply this year. I think one of the one of the things that is going to be interesting about playoff fields continuing to expand is that more teams are in the race longer, and therefore you would imagine there are more buyers and sellers. So what does the market look like? What can the Brewers do in terms of improving the offense? Is there something that they can do in middle relief? Do they need to look to add a starter just because of the rash of injuries that will hit, have hit them? Who knows? We'll talk about that uh, with Adam, Ty, Rohan, Jordan, maybe some special guests over the next few weeks. Until then, you can follow us on Twitter at BrewersJSPN. Subscribe to us wherever podcasts are found, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Uh, I got a message about still not being on Google Podcasts. I am not the expert <laughs> in that area, but I'll do some... Uh, I'll do some chatting with the team and see what we can figure out. Uh, GSPN.info, where you can find all of the Eurostep um, podcast network things. You can find the feed for the Eurostep podcast, so you can get the Eurostep, the Win Six podcast that Adam and Jordan do. Obviously, Rohan and Ty do the Eurostep. Uh, GSPNstore.com. You can buy some great Eurostep Win and Six and cruising for a bruising merch. And I think that about does it. Follow me on Twitter at AC Snide. Follow Adam on Twitter at AdamMcGee11. Thank you for suffering through uh, whatever this was. Hopefully soon you don't have to hear me talking to myself again. And we will have things back to normal. But uh, that does it for this episode of Cruising for a Bru- for Cruising for a Bruising. Thank you for listening. Have a great day. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.